Welcome to Stories of Recovery, a MAR Recovery Resources production from MAR Addiction Treatment Center. I'm Matt Shedd. Between her former husband, her brother, and her sister-in-law, Melissa had been surrounded by people in active addiction for years. She was loaning money, bailing people out of jail, and basically doing whatever she could to try to help. But like many people in this position, all of her efforts didn't really seem to get anywhere. In fact, the addictions of her loved ones and the consequences of those addictions only seemed to be getting worse. She was exhausted. She didn't know what to do. She only knew that she couldn't keep doing what she had been doing. It was about this time that she was on Facebook and she came across Addressing Addiction in the Home. This is a workbook that we put together here at MAR for family members exactly in Melissa's position. She ordered it. And she started going through it right away, filling out the pages with her own examples. She started to see how she had been pulled into the family disease of addiction. I I, I did it all. Like, I literally checked every box. I circled every, I was like, I did it all. And, you know, and some of it, you didn't, I was like, when I first read, like, the subtitle, I was like, oh, I didn't do that. But then you start reading more into it. And I was like, oh, I did do that. She began bringing the workbook to her therapist to get support in changing how she interacted with her family members. She shares with us today some of the insights that she's gained as a result of working through this material and how she started her own recovery from the family disease. If you're interested in checking out the workbook for yourself, we have copies for sale on our website. Just visit marinc.org workbook. That's M-A-R-R-I-N-C dot O-R-G slash workbook. All right, here's Melissa. Okay, well, I've listened listened to most of the podcast. Well, anytime I'm in the car, that's what, especially like if I'm going to my boyfriend's, that's what I'll listen to in between Gainesville is the podcast. Wow, thank you so much for sharing that. That means a lot to us. I mean, that's why we do it. And so it's always good to hear when people are, are getting stuff out of it. Now, I wish I would have had more of the information a few years ago. But... Right. <laughs> when did you come across um, our organization? It started with the workbook. Is that correct? It did. It started with the workbook. The workbook popped up in my Facebook feed. So I ordered it. And um, when I got it and I started reading it, I was quite, <laughs> I was like, well, I did all of this stuff. Every family, anybody that has a family member that is in addiction needs that workbook in their hands because it literally had, I had that book five years ago, but I probably would have did things a whole lot different. And and just as comfortable as you feel, I mean, you don't have to go into any more detail than you feel comfortable, but would you mind kind of describing a little bit about what was going on? Sure. My um, brother was addicted to op- uh, opioids and benzos and our My mentality originally was, well, he's got to work. He's got three kids that got to be taken care of. So my ultimate in my mind was to fix it so he could work. So whatever he was doing, I would go behind and clean it up. Well, it just got worse and worse to where he was getting arrested and in the middle of the night, get the phone call. When he was in jail and had to be in jail for a longer period of time, he had, I made sure he had money on his books. I got an attorney trying to figure out, okay, he can't be in jail. He's got three kids. He's got to work. That was my mentality was this can't be happening. And, and, and I figured he could stop it. When in reality, I knew that that wasn't the case because we went down this road with my older brother's ex-wife. Um, who is now three and a half years sober 
and actually works for a recovery center. Oh, wow. Um, But she actually lost custody of my niece to my older brother. And I didn't understand why she walked out of that courthouse that day and didn't go do something. I didn't understand the addiction process then. And even with my brother, I still didn't understand it fully. I was understanding it more, but in my mind, I still thought he could just put it down and stop. But I was always the one that was rescuing. I didn't have my own boundaries. And then whenever he did finally go, he went to rehab. But the whole time he was at rehab, I was married at the time, which long story short, I ultimately lost my husband to addiction as well. He committed Mm -hmm. suicide, but he got addicted to meth. And in a very short amount of time, like over six months, um, it took control of his his mind 100 percent. He ended up shooting himself, but um, wow, I'm so sorry to hear that. Uh, it, it happened so fast that it, there really was no way to wrap your like wrap your head around what was really going on before um, he took his own life. But um, when he finally did go to rehab, um, this your brother? Yes. Um, when he finally was in rehab, which was ordered through drug court. He did not fully complete that program because um, drug court let him come home. Their requirement was only six months. Um, but we were cleaning up everything when, if I would have had this book, I probably would have known better. But you, you don't know. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to fix it the best way you know how, I guess. I talked to an interventionist one time and he was saying that, you know, he he wants family members to know that like enabling or codependent behavior, like that's not like this really bad thing that you did. It's like you were trying to be helpful, you know, and it's just like this, this disease turned things around, you know, and confuses us. And what would be helpful in a normal situation ends up not being helpful, you know, and when was it that you, you came across the workbook on Facebook? I guess a year and a half ago, maybe. And so you're sitting there on Facebook and you see the title addressing addiction in the home and what what happened for you? Were you like, oh, that's what I need or yeah. What I, was, was going- I was like, maybe this will help me understand what's going on. So yeah, I didn't hesitate. I ordered it. It's like definitely needed that. And had you had you read had you been looking for resources or had you read other things about addiction or or I gone? I had. I had um Brought, when my brother came home from rehab, I had actually got a couple of different books that said loving a loved one with in, in recovery. Um, when my ex-sister-in-law was in active addiction, I actually listened to, there was, there was an AA speakers app mm. that I actually listened to um, trying trying to better understand actually her and my brother were both in active addiction at the time so it was kind of a dual tool because even though she was no longer married to my other brother she was still the mother of my niece and my nephew so yeah so yeah so you're you're kind of picking up some knowledge here and there and and learning a little bit about it right um, over the years okay and then you see that and you think well maybe what what was it about this resource in particular that made you interested? Um, it's actually the first one that I actually saw that 
wasn't necessarily just about that the the addict and dealing with what's going on with the addict. This actually deals with the family and what's going on with the family and what you're doing as a family because it's not just about the addict. I had not came across anything that had been about the family and how to help the family. Yeah, I think it's it's one of the things that we tried to stress in that book that like uh it's traumatic, you know, having someone in active addiction is traumatic. It's traumatic for them too in a different way, but it's really traumatic for the family to see them go through that and to feel the powerlessness of not being able to help. The first chapter is uh addiction is a disease and it kind of walks through it explains kind of on a neurological level what's happening. Was that helpful for you? Is that something that you? Absolutely. It absolutely was. Now, I had already gained a better understanding of it being an actual disease and not something they could just stop at this point. But it helped explain to me exactly what is going on in their brain and why it why it's a disease versus just something that they can't just put down and walk away from. With your experience with your loved ones, had it been kind of like, why don't they just stop? Why don't they just try harder? Was that kind of your view of it? Oh, yeah. And when I paid the money to the attorney to help my brother, it was, okay, I'm going to pay this money to the attorney, but you've got to stop. Oh, yeah, I'm going to quit. I'll stop. But in his mind, he probably was telling me he was going to and thinking he was going to, but not realizing that he just couldn't. Mm Mm-hmm. Did the other events with your other family members start to kind of make more sense of why? Yes. Like why he was able, my ex-sister-in-law was able to walk out of that courtroom and not check her in. It it made, it started to make sense at that point. It's like she didn't have control of what she was doing. I mean, it had taken over her aspect of what was right versus what she what she truly wanted because she truly wanted her kids. I'm mm-hmm. deep down she did, but at that time the drug was more powerful and had more control over her. With her, for example, she was supposed to be my maid of honor in my wedding. Her and my brother were still married. She was supposed to be my maid of honor in my wedding. All of them start falling apart. Like her and my brother are getting divorced four months before I was getting married. And I felt like why Why is she doing this to me? She wasn't doing any of the things that as a maid of honor, she, you know, would normally do. And that's because, again, because of the drugs. So, yeah. And it's kind of like, I think a lot of times people feel a sense of, I don't know if relief is the right word, but just kind of like, oh, okay, I'm not crazy or there's not some, you know, like there's, it's, there's some relief, I think, that comes with an explanation uh, is that is that your experience? Yes, yes, I get it now. Like completely, it makes a better under gives you a complete, total better understanding of all of it. The next chapter is um, the family disease, and talking about like um, as their disease as their disease is progressing in terms of their dependence on the substance. A lot of times for the family members, their depend or like they they have an addiction to the addict that's kind of increasing and like. Because our concern is 
you know, we see that person kind of spiraling and we want to jump in and help them and want to try and protect them. So like, as <laughs> you can relate to that. 100%. That's what I did. I, I mean, addicted to the addict, I guess is what you, what a good way to put it, even though you're trying to fix it, you're trying to make it better. But yeah, ultimately you're addicted to trying to fix the addict or what's going on to make it better or clean up whatever mess they've created rationalizing he needed to work he had to take care of those three kids <laughs> you know mm-hmm. um yeah i think this one's really interesting increased tolerance so things that we used to be okay not be okay with we start becoming okay with um, oh, yeah. it's okay if he if he's able to hold his eyes open through dinner our family function oh okay it's okay we're making progress or you think mm. you're making progress, but you're really not. He's still going to walk out that door and do whatever is next to do, you know, whatever he decides to take afterwards, not to mention what he took before he came. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's, it's like a very, it's like the, you know, the frog being in the pot of boiling water that slow it's like when it slowly gets turned up we don't realize how and then all of a sudden we're we find ourselves in an unworkable situation you know because it's just kind of slow our intolerance our tolerance for it has kind of slowly crept up um oh and they know how to word what they want to get you to do it too like mm -hmm. or they'll lie about what it is oh i need money for my power bill but really that money's not for your power bill or they'll take the money that's given to their kids as birthday or Christmas presents to get what they want. Mm -hmm. You're going around, instead of confronting them, you go behind them and you try to hide what money the kids had, or you keep a track of it so that they don't have access to it. Um, just an example. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There's been multiple times where we've had to do that. Yeah. And yeah. And and it, it gets hard because because it sneaks up on you like that. It gets hard to really even see what's happening, you know, and address like because without resources like this and without knowing what's going on, it's just it's just it's just hard to recognize. So like, did you find and and those were some good examples of how that person would be sneaking, hiding, lying, you know, that the the person with the addiction would be doing that. Did you find that you were in, in your own way, doing kind of like secretive behavior? Not with my husband. My husband, I was very open about what I was doing to help mm. each Now with my parents, yes, we hid what was going on and what we had to do um, for a long time before it came to light. Um, mm-hmm. Even the arrests, we didn't tell my parents. Like we would hide the that from them if we could. Um mm-hmm. I, don't, I was pretty, my husband knew what was going on. He knew that I would do anything to help my brother. And so he wasn't, there was a line that he wasn't, I wouldn't say allowed, but he knew that if he crossed that line, that it would cause an argument between he and I. So he in turn let, enabled me in enabling him, mm. my brother, not so, um, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. That's, I was just going to say that's such a great description of it. It's like a monster that everybody is feeding this monster in some form or fashion, whether you realize you're feeding it or not. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And that's actually one of the examples we use in here that it's like the person said that he didn't realize every time he's giving his son money, he was actually just feeding this monster that his son was carrying around on his back. He wasn't helping. He thought he was helping his son, but he was actually just giving, you know, feeding this monster that was making everybody, you know, sicker. Um, When you're going through this, the chapter on uh, rescuing, enabling and controlling, do you remember a particular moment where things really started to click in terms of like, Oh, I did, I did it all. Yeah. <laughs> oh, like I was going through the checklist. I got note where you can't. Oh yeah. I can see it. Yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that page is all the way filled up. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I did it all. Like I literally checked every box. I circled every, I was like, I, I did it all. And you know, and some of it you didn't, I was like, when I first read like the subtitle, I was like, oh, I didn't do that. But then you start reading more into it. And I was like, oh, yeah, I did. I did do that. Um, I mean, it was. I don't think there was one thing in there that I did not do in some sort of way. And then there's the this this actually clicked in my head that they knew what they were doing by coming to me. Um, the enabling is invited mm. section of the, the book because they knew exactly what they were doing. They would word things to, they knew if they came to me, I would take care of it. They knew that I was going to fix it. They knew I wasn't going to let this happen. Um, they knew that those kids meant the world to me and I wasn't going to let them go without. So I was going to do what I needed to do to fix it so that their daddy would be at home and whatever. Um, I 100 percent um all of it i mean i don't i don't think there was from the very beginning it was registering you you really i I had good intentions but all good intentions were with bad outcomes just like it says at the very beginning and so when you're starting to put that all together and like you say um you know writing all the notes and the margins and saying okay i did this 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 and it's all kind of clicking what was the feeling? Was it kind of hope? Was it sadness? Was it frustration? What what was that experience like seeing seeing all this stuff from a totally different perspective? I think a lot of it was some frustration with myself. Hmm. Um, not not so much with well, somewhat with them for the fact that they knew what they were doing to some degree when by coming to me because they knew I would fix it, but mostly frustration with myself for not for letting it happen. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of frustration with myself for that. I started seeing the therapist um, two weeks after my husband passed away. So mm-hmm. August of he passed away, August 15th, August 15th of 2017. And I like two weeks later, I started seeing, um, a counselor and I am still seeing, I still, um, see her, which I, I did work with the counselor through there. And then mm. so in the workbook, it talks about setting boundaries and I slowly stopped if they called needing money. No, I don't have it. Um, at the time I had an extra vehicle because I had my vehicle and I had had my husband's truck. Uh, can we borrow your car? No, Mm-mm. I'm sorry. I'm out, I'm out of town and I have the spare key. Um, or I have both sets of keys. Um, I never would in a million years 
if the kids needed something, turn the kids away. But I would do directly for the kids. If the kids needed to go to the doctor and they didn't have the money for the doctor, I would make sure I paid directly to the doctor's office and not give them the money to take the kids. Um, started cutting off other like other things that I did for them. And it, it's funny when you stop doing those things for people, how quickly they're, um, they kind of um, aren't, aren't around as much as they were. Yeah. (laughs) Sure. Um, Sure. And and was it hard to initially set those boundaries? Very much so. I mean, my brother and I are very close in age. Mm -hmm. We've always been very close growing up. Like we, we were close enough. We could have been twins just about. Um, We shared a lot of the same friends growing up. We, Mm -hmm. um, so for there to be that distance there, it, it is, it, it has been, but I have to put those boundaries in place to protect myself. And absolutely, they have to learn how, okay, um, I lost my job. Let me send out this resume and try to find another one. Okay. Let me figure out how to make sure that I have the money to pay the power bill because nobody else is going to do it for me um, or the water bill when the water gets cut off and they, they have to sit over there without water. Um, <laughs> they start to figure, figure thing that somebody's not always going to clean up the mess. Mm-hmm. And the, the last time he got arrested, he had to figure out him and my sister-in-law had to figure out how to bail him out on his own because I just basically threw my hands up and packed a bag and went to my boyfriend's house for the weekend. <laughs> yeah. Good for you. Good for you. And I'm sure that was, wasn't easy. Like, I'm sure there was a part of you that wanted to. No, it was, it was hard. It was very hard for me. I mean, because that's, I mean, ultimately I still wanted to try to fix it for him, but at some point you got to figure out that they've got to want to fix themselves too. It doesn't feel like in the moment when when we set a boundary, I it seems like, a, and this is what I hear a lot from family members. It doesn't feel like it feels very bad. Like it feels like we're being cruel or mean or whatever. But it's actually when family members do that, they're giving that person a gift, you know, of being able to to have the experience. Like you were talking about the consequences, the experience of learning from like this. Co- cause and effect you know when i do this this thing happens and if we if we keep enabling then we rob that person of the opportunity to actually learn that lesson exactly and i did that i when even when he was sitting in jail he did not go without he did not go without having money on his books to buy whatever he wanted uh money to make as many phone calls as he wanted all he had to do was call and i would add the money to his books where I was wrong for doing that too. He should have had to sit there and really feel what it felt like. But all he he knew all he had to do was call and say, "Oh, I need money for this," and it was there. And, and since it's so hard, just like the, I think it 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 probably feels really similar for the addict when they want to use like that when there's that distress, that feeling of distress, and they want to get rid of it, you know. So they want to use to get rid of that feeling. I think also for us when we're seeing somebody suffering from you know, consequences, we feel distress and we want to jump in and save them to get rid of that feeling. Absolutely. And you're also seeing 
these three kids who are dealing with the stress that's being caused by that. And you want, you want to fix it for them too. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what was it, was the book helpful in that, in the last chapter, in the boundaries chapter, in terms of helping you give you some guidance on how to set boundaries and think about that? Absolutely. Yes. I mean, it helped me look at the whole picture of things and figure out where I needed to put certain boundaries in place. Now, granted, I'm not 100% there yet, but I am working, of course. working on that. Um, very hard. Yeah. Yeah. I have to protect myself too versus mm-hmm. the, and, and it has helped them as well. They're, they're both doing, I mean, to my knowledge are much better. Um, and they're there. I don't get calls in the middle of the night from my nieces and nephews it's that mommy and daddy are arguing and fighting. Can you come get us? Um, so, I, I mean, I think they've, it, it's helped them in figuring out they're paying their own bills. They're haven't, haven't had any of those phone calls. So I, yeah. As far as I know that they are, I mean, they could be going somewhere else, but to my knowledge, they're, it's helped them as well. Like, it's like a battle in your own head of trying to, okay, this is what you feel you need to do, but what is really the right thing to do in this situation? It's, it's so tough being in that moment. And I think that's why it's so important to have other people too, to help Mm -hmm. us through those moments. And it sounds like you've got really good support with your, your therapist. I do. I do. And honestly, my ex-sister-in-law is a huge help as well. I mean, being that she's been down the road on the other side of it, like if something's in your head, I can ask, I can bounce that off of her and she'll be like, no, Melissa, this is what you have to do. You mm-hmm. Just, you can't do this. You have to do this. Um, she honestly has been a huge help in that aspect. That's great. And yeah, and I imagine she works in a treatment center. Is that right? She does. Yeah. So now she's having to practice boundaries with, you know, she's with people that are just, just stopped using. And, you know, it's like, so you've got to, she's probably getting really good at setting boundaries for herself too, I imagine. And on a whole nother note, has custody of her daughter back. Oh, wow. That's awesome. And I love seeing that too, when things kind of, when, when people are able to heal from this thing. Um, so since you've listened to the podcast, you probably know I end every, or most podcasts, I end asking the person if they had one thing to pass on to people who are listening, um, what would it be? So if you had one thing to pass on, what would that be? Could it be that if you have a family member that is in active eviction, get your hands on this workbook <laughs> because it is the best tool that you'll ever find. Wow. That's a, that's quite the endorsement. Um, I really, it really means the world to us, Melissa, that, that it, it helped. And thank you so much for reaching out and, and letting us know that. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to let y'all know how much. Thank you for creating it because it really is an awesome tool. So that's it for this episode of Stories of Recovery. I'm Matt Shedd. If you have a loved one with an addiction and you're interested in the workbook Melissa was talking about, 
We have copies for sale on our website. Just visit marinc.org slash workbook. That's M-A-R-R-I-N-C dot O-R-G slash workbook. And just one more thing, if you have enjoyed the podcast and you want to try and help us reach a wider audience, you can do so without it costing you any money. All you have to do is just take a moment, go on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us, give us a rating and a review, tell other people why you like the podcast. That can help us so much uh, in reaching a wider audience. Thanks so much for joining us, and we're looking forward to next time already.